1: Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host Charles Crillo. Today we have Mercedes Torres. Mercedes graduated from UCLA and in her first 2 years in real estate, Mercedes purchased and flipped 24 properties. Now she has 2000 real estate transactions to her name. She's appeared on the A&E show flip that house. She manages her home portfolio while being the co-founder and vice president of Epic Real Estate and flow Savvy while hosting the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast, a top 30 podcast with over 300,000 downloads per month that she's been hosting since 2007. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. Wow. I will say I am not the main voice or brain behind that podcast. It's actually my husband, Matt Terriot. I do a turnkey segment. Uh, we call it Turnkey Tuesdays, where I just talk about turnkey real estate investing. But uh, the podcast is on a daily release, and there's daily content wow. about real estate investing, and every day is something different. So money is Monday Mondays. Tuesday is turnkey Tuesday, Friday, Financial Freedom Friday. So every day caters to a different type of real estate investor and Yes, we've been doing it since 2007. Can you believe that?
1: Wow, that's right in the heyday, right when the iPhone was coming out, right?
0: That's when we got started. In fact, when Matt started the podcast, one day he came home and he's like, Mercedes, I'm going to start a podcast. I said, great, what's a podcast? Because I had no idea what it was. So,
1: <laughs> I was at a meetup and someone was telling me that they started one when they had to do it, had to connect to your uh it still had to connect to your, uh, your computer to download or something crazy. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. But um, so great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. And um, I briefly spoke about your past, but can you expand on your previous professional experience prior to starting to invest in real estate?
0: Yeah, believe it or not, I got into law school. <laughs> and I say, believe it or not, because I'm one of the few that got a full ride to an amazing law school and I dropped out. I hated it. Um, and it took me one week to realize that I had made you know, the wrong decision. I, I came from a family where you, know, you work hard, you get good grades, and you get a good job. And so that's what I did. And when I got into law school, it was one of those things where no one in my family had ever done that. And so it was just one of those things that I wanted to do to say that I can do it. So when I quit, I had to have A good reason to drop out and to let go of a full scholarship. So I told my parents that I landed an amazing job, which the amazing job was a processor at a subprime mortgage company, because that's where I had to start. I started at the wave bottom. And I just kept coming up the corporate ladder. But my you know my experience in that world of banking and financing and subprime i was there for almost uh, 11 years wow. and it taught me absolutely everything i needed to know about finances about money about business that i never learned in high school or college because mm-hmm. you, they don't teach it unless you're a finance major in college you don't get taught that in high school. You know. You don't get taught how to balance a checkbook. So fast forward, I climbed up the corporate ladder. I was a processor. Then I became a docker where you drew docs on DOS. Remember that? <laughs> I just aged myself. Um, but I became, they called me the subprime queen because I learned how Teachers and babysitters and people that were barely qualifying for loans, they were buying properties and then refinancing six months into it, taking the money out and then investing in an investment property. Mm -hmm. And I kept watching that over and over again. And one day it dawned on me. I was like, Well, I work for the bank. I have a pay stub and a W2. Why can't I qualify for it? So while I was working for the bank, making $30,000 $30,000 a year. I purchased my first investment property saying that I was going to live in it. I mean, I really was going to live in it. I fixed it up and I turned around and flipped it. And on my first flip, I made $80,000. Wow. Mind you, I was making $35,000 a year. And I thought, oh my God, this is it. I need to become a real estate investor. So uh, one of the reasons I was really lucky to flip 24 houses is because I learned how to buy right, owner occupied, and then flipping and and moving up in the world of financing. So I bought a four unit um, and then I upgraded to a three nicer unit and then a two unit. And I just kept flipping them the entire time. And the rest is history. I quickly learned I was sitting on the wrong side of the desk. So I think six months into my endeavor, I quit my job and I became a full-time real estate investor. And then I was forced to flip houses, which changes everything.
1: When you were, uh, So you have your Epic Real Estate, which is your education company, and then you have your Cashflow Savvy, which is a turnkey company. Is that correct?
0: is correct.
1: Okay. And can you explain just turnkey investing just quickly? People have never heard of that term before.
0: Yeah. So turnkey investing is really investing done for you. And what a turnkey operation will do for you is they will find a property for you, fix it up, place tenants in it. And most importantly, manage the property to make sure that they collect your rents and then forward the rents to the investor. Now, hopefully the turnkey operation is investing in a hot market uh, where the purchase price and the rent ratio are going to give you a solid return. And that's why I named my business Cash Flow Savvy because we focus on creating cash flow for our investors.
1: When you were flipping your properties, were you holding on to any of them just refinancing them out for any type of passive cash flow or were they all completely sold after you're done with them?
0: I wish I held everything that <laughs> I <could. laughs> No, when I started, all I knew how to do was buy it, fix it up and sell it. I wasn't savvy enough to know that the key to creating wealth is buying and holding. Um, especially if you can leverage other people's money. I just started fixing and flipping. You know, when I started, it was the height of the market. So, I mean, I was buying 50 cents on the dollar because I was buying distressed homes and I literally would flip it for a substantial profit.
1: What year was so, this approximately?
0: Uh, so, I started flipping in like 2003, 2004. Hmm. Uh, and then when the market shifted in 2007, which is when Epic Real Estate started. I mean, Epic Real Estate started because I had a need. There were no more deals to be found. I couldn't flip if my life depended on it because the market crashed. Right. So I was really lucky. I, I didn't have um, uh, a whole lot of inventory. I was only doing one or two at a time because I was a, a small shop, if you will. So my last flip, I projected to make about 94000 I made, roughly speaking, about $12,000 on it. That wow. just shows you how drastic and how quick the market shifted.
1: Wow. And yeah. how, much was, how much was that house? What did you sell it for?
0: Um, so I remember I, uh, the last house that I did, I bought it for $465,000. Uh, and then we put about $50,000 in it. And I sold it for right around five and a half.
1: It was $10, wow, 000. so yeah. very very tight numbers.
0: Tight numbers. Wow. When the projection was, if the market was still into it, I could have sold it for easily about six hundred thousand.
1: Jeez, now where now you talk about different markets? Um, where are uh, where was this happening, and where are you guys focused on now for purchasing turnkey properties? I know there's a number of different markets now, but
0: there is. So uh, when I started, I'm a native of Los Angeles, California probably one of the only hundred natives, (laughs) Uh, born and raised. Uh, And so I started my real estate investing career in Los Angeles. Um, And what I quickly learned there um, after I flipped um, and the market dried up, I couldn't cash flow in that market if my life depended on it. Um, The purchase price and the rent ratio in California is really difficult to cash flow. So uh, we did the next best thing in that I knew there were markets in middle America where people could buy houses for sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Now in California, that's unheard of. There is hardly a market where you can buy an eighty thousand dollar, three-bedroom, two-bath, single family residence. Thousand square feet. Impossible. But I knew there were markets out there that did focus on that. So we, well, I should say Matt, (laughs) created an algorithm that allowed us to focus on markets in middle America where the purchase price and rent ratio were going to give us a return. But I was looking for predominantly rental markets because by that time I had learned that the key to wealth is buying and holding. And so I focused on those markets that are predominantly rental markets where there's no shortage of tenants and where that purchase price and rate ratio were going to allow me to cash flow. And that's how Cashflow Savvy was born. Exactly our recipe, our numbers, and we just folded it out to middle America by accident, if you will.
1: So it's it's the Midwest you're looking at. Um, I was seeing some, you have some Florida as well. I think Central Florida stuff that uh, is on your website. You have a number of different markets. So it's really that you put it through your algorithm and you see exactly what makes the most sense for, and then obviously you need to have a whole team on the ground too, to source them, to do it. So you ha- how many different teams and areas are you guys set up in?
0: So we're in 10 markets, but we're extremely active in five. And I only do five at a time because the market shifts. Mm -hmm. So although we have properties and teams in 10 markets, if you decided that you wanted to buy a property from us, you're only going to see properties from about five or six markets, just because they're making the most financial sense at the moment. So um, our hot markets, markets, I should say, are uh, St. Louis, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, Little Rock, Arkansas, Birmingham, Alabama, and Indianapolis, Indiana. Listeners, write that down. They're hot markets. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you a freebie there. Um, and I define a hot market by really allowing my, the population to rent my house so that I can cash flow or so that my clients can cash flow. So I'm in markets where there are no shortage of tenants because remember, at the end of the day, all I want to do is cash flow. I sell properties so that you can buy them and hold them, I mean, ideally forever, but if you hold them for 15 years, it's going to produce a return for you every single month ongoing until you own the properties. So hot markets are defined for us, markets that are not going to have shortage of tenants and where I know tenants are going to be able to afford my rent.
1: Yeah. And those are also very landlord-friendly areas, especially Arkansas and Alabama.
0: Of course. (laughs) Which is
1: always nice.
0: Yes. I often talk about that. But really more importantly, Charles, is the team on the ground. You know, if you do not have a solid team on the ground that is going to serve as a property manager, and I mean they have to get it. They have to understand the investing game. They have to cater to the tenants and then answer to an investor. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can have a beautiful property in a great, you know, suburb, but if no one's renting it, well, what's the point? Yeah. So we focus on uh, staying in markets where our teams get it. So our property management teams, they're incentivized by collecting our tenants' rent. Because if they don't collect the rent, then nobody makes money, including our property managers. Mm -hmm. So once I find the market, I really dive into the team on the ground. Because if you don't have a team, no matter how great your property is, they have to get it to perform
1: yeah. they also have to be very familiar with what they're renting out if it's single-family houses if it's ABCD you know apartments they have to because an a manager is not gonna be able to do a C property and vice versa and dealing with the class of tenant as well is very important. If you're an A manager and you're just thinking you just receive automatic payments that come in compared to a C property where there's more, let's say handholding when collection comes on the first of the month, hopefully. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely true. So how do you protect uh, your investors from downside risks when they invest with you or what precautions does your company take um, to ensure that uh, your, your investors are going to be profitable for the most part when they invest.
0: Yeah. So that's a great question, Charles, because I, I have a, I had a whole episode on this on my podcast last week because I talk about buying, right? If you are buying for cash flow and the numbers make sense when you purchase, especially if you're purchasing for cash flow, it doesn't matter what the market does. Because if the market flops and you bought right and you bought for cash flow, that cash flow is your buffer in the worst possible scenario. So let's just you know talk about numbers. An eighty thousand dollar property, you know you're going to come in and purchase sixteen thousand five hundred dollars for the down payment if you qualify for a. Freddie or Fannie loan plus closing cost, about five grand. So you're all into this $80,000 property for about $21,000. It rents for about 800 bucks a month. So after you pay your taxes, your insurance, your everything, you're gonna cash flow about $200 a month. Meaning that, let's just say the market is to crash and it goes terrible. And you have to drop your rent to 600 bucks you're still cash flowing $100 even in a down market. So my precaution is know your numbers. When you buy and you buy right, you buy for cash flow. I don't care about appreciation. I don't care about cap rates. I don't even care if Amazon is coming in to employ all the people in Birmingham, which is actually happening. I don't care about that, that's a plus. I care about when I buy am I going to cash flow? What's my ROI? What's that return on investment? And how long can I write it? And that's what I care about. So that's the number one risk. I will sit down with every employee or not every employee, every investor, and I will understand why they're investing. And I want to understand that they're going to have enough cushion in their investment as cash flow, if you will. Yeah. We also offer warranties. You know, we offer warranty. We warranty the work that we, we have for a year. We also have a, a, a guarantee. So you know, we'll pay your rent if we don't have a tenant for you. But 95% of my properties are tenanted at closing. So again, you know, we are cash flow savvy because I want you to cash flow from the get go.
1: Right. The other good thing about having the one unit the four unit properties that you specialize in is that you can get that long term fixed debt because really the value of the property only matters when you 're buying you're selling or refinancing I mean during the rest of the mortgage it doesn't really matter i mean That's it uh, just matters on your mortgage payment and what you're renting it for the um, Now you have investors that are coming you say you have a lot of foreign investors, and since the theme of our of our podcast is foreign investing in the u s um, where do a lot of your international investors um, come from that are investing into your properties in the u s
0: great question. I have a lot of Canadians <laughs> um, and then I have a lot of people from um, China uh, China. I also cater to a couple people in Russia, Singapore as well and then I have people from down under so um, again, they hear me on podcast um, and and those are. Uh, a little bit more challenging because there's a little bit more uh, setting up, but it's not impossible. You know, once we set you up one time, you can continue to buy and continue to buy. Uh, I have a few European investors as well, um, and they're, they they kind of go on autopilot. <laughs> like once we set it up, you know, once they pre-qualify uh, and then they set up their bank account, my typical foreign investor will purchase three properties from us a year because it's really easy to do.
1: Are they purchasing those primarily in cash or with some debt as well?
0: Yeah. uh, I promote diversifying as much as possible. Yes. Out of the three properties, they will tend to buy one in cash and then two with financing. And financing for a foreign investor for their first time is often 50% down. So for an $80,000 property, you're going to need 50% down.
1: Yeah. And then they might be able to get that down to, I imagine, uh, 30% down, something like that.
0: Right. Once they establish a relationship with our bankers, um, after a year, I encourage them to do a cash out refinance if it makes sense. If not, then we get them to go for a second round. And yeah, I've seen it go as low as 30%. But yes, very possible.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Can you explain uh, briefly about the setup process and what that uh, consists of?
0: Yeah. So our turnkey operation is a little bit different. And the reason it's different is because I offer exclusivity to my clients. So what does that mean? That means that you can go on my website to see available properties. You actually have to go through our office and pre-qualify for lending or show us proof of funds before we show you anything in our inventory. Once that is set up, we then have you open escrow with a $2,500 fully refundable deposit. But what that does is that goes towards the purchase of your property, and then that puts you into our investor queue. What that means is all the properties that come in on any given day go to investor number one in the queue. Whatever investor number one sees that's theirs for 24 hours. There is no bidding on the property, it's yours, nobody can take it from you, the price is the price, but you get exclusivity for 24 hours. If you don't like that property, you just pass on it. Within a day or two, maybe three days, depending on what becomes available, you will get your next set of properties. Someday you'll see one or two properties, Other days, you'll see five property. Other days, you won't see any property. So it really depends on what's available and what's coming down the pipeline. One thing I have done is I have eliminated the bidding war because it drives me insane. Mm. So in order to see our inventory, you have to show us proof of funds or pre-qualify and then open escrow with a refundable deposit that places you into our queue so you could see our exclusive inventory.
1: That's a great way of doing it because if you are an investor, you now are taking completely serious right after completing that. Whereas when you're buying property for a first time as an investor, uh, they don't know if you're... They'll give you not the greatest properties, let's say, if they give you any. And they want to make sure you're just not tick, you know, kicking tires. So I mean, that that would be great if we could do it with like multifamily properties where you just hand them, you know, larger properties, you could hand them a deposit and they would take you seriously. It's not not so much the case but that's an awesome way of doing it especially for a first time investor that might not be as well versed in the whole situation the whole process and they're able to review the property and 24 hours does give you a good good amount of time to review the property in depth with whoever you're investing with so
0: yeah and that's just your preliminary review yeah. like once you decide that you're going to move forward on that property oh well, you're going to get a 10 day due diligence period just like you should and we give you full access to the property so you know charles i it, the biggest mistake I made when I started investing you know, back in the day, um, I acted too fast on a property, so I made stupid mistakes, and I ended up paying too much for properties. I wanted to eliminate that for our investors as much as possible. So sure, our investors are paying full market value for our properties, but I've done everything to the property, including I stuck a tenant in there that's going to stay there for a year, hmm. so. I tried to minimize the risk but in return I had to weed out the non-serious investor and I had to help the newer investor that was not able to drive to the property because it's not down the street. So whether you're in, you know, China or whether you're in Australia or whether you're, you know, the next state over, you have the confidence of taking the time to do your basic due diligence and then if you wanted to fly in to go see it great you could because you get 10 days after that but uh less than 1% of my investors actually ever see their property so Kind
1: of funny. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, it just doesn't work out the best um, if they're not, if they're investing in maybe a number of them in the same town. Maybe they might, but I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I've invested in stuff and I've never I've never been there. You know what I mean? I invested passively in stuff and I've never seen the property. Yep. But um, so for new investors that come to you, potential investors, what books do you suggest um, for them to review to read if they're even if they're going to be active?
0: You know. I have to say that if you are going to be a passive investor and even just an active investor, I think it's really important that you understand not so much the how, the why. I'm a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki. So my whole investment uh, trajectory started with the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, You know, he's he's an amazing... um, illustrator, if you will, because you get to see it here, read in that book, here or read, now it's here, but read how money can work for you instead of you working for your money. And since I focus on passive investing, it's really important to me that you really understand the why you're doing it and then how to make your money work for you. So if anything, if you're going to be a passive investor, understand the difference of you working for your money and your money working for you.
1: Yeah, no, it gets them out of that employee mindset, which is probably the most important thing you have to do when transitioning someone to investing passively or investing into real estate at all and investing into a business, which it really is. So it's a mini business. So.
0: It took me two years to get over that hump because when I started flipping. I mean, I was making $80,000 a flip. Of course, I was flipping in California. And when you go and make $300 in cash flow, I mean, to wrap your brain around that. Like, I remember Matt said, Oh, we just, you know, close on a house and we're going to make $200 a month. And I was like, That's not even my Starbucks bill you know, a month. And like, it took me forever. I mean, two years. And it, what really did it for me is that Matt had to buy, like we had eight, maybe nine properties before it dawned on me that, oh my God, there mysteriously is $2,500 in my bank account and I don't even know where it came from. Mm-hmm. And it took me literally, Charles, two years to wrap my brain around that. And uh, once you get over that hump and you just look at what the potential of one investment property can do for you, one investment property a year or just period, what it can do for you in 20 years, I mean, it literally is life-changing. It can pay for your children's college education. So think about that. So changing that chip in your brain is, for me, one of the most important thing for newer investors that are looking to passively invest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really just learning to, um, it's learning to kind of generate income without you being present, which most people are used to if they've invested uh, maybe through a 401k or something like that. But real estate's definitely, I mean, with the tax benefits and with the financing, with the leverage, there's really nothing that comes close to the power of investing real estate. I was listening to someone else speak and they're saying they'd rather make $300 a month passively than work for $30,000 a month. So, and you, that doesn't really, that takes a little while to set in. But that's that mentality. Like, as you said, 10 houses, 15 houses and you go, wow, that's now I see the power of this, you know? So, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you being on the show today. And um, how can people learn more about um, your companies and yourself?
0: Oh, that's awesome. So you can reach out and go to my website. It's Savvy. and that's Savvy with two Vs. And you can download our uh, Frustrated Investor's Guide to Passive Income. I literally show you step-by-step how to get out of the rat race and really how to create passive income for yourself and for your family, for your future. Uh, Or you can email me at mercedes at epicrealestate.com and that's epic, E-P-I-C.
1: Okay. And I will put all those links below in the podcast and also in the YouTube notes. So I want to thank you again for being on the show. And um, I look forward to uh, meeting up with you soon.
0: I love that, Charles. Have a great day. And to our listeners, have an epic day.
1: (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Bye-bye.
1: Hi, guys. This is Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in investing in real estate and you don't know where to begin, set up a free 15-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.